Listener Production. It's Rusty here, all set for part two of my podcast with supercars driver Lee Holdsworth. A quick thank you for all your messages. We had lots of them after the recent three-part episode with former supercars supremo Tony Cochran. It really got you guys talking and thinking. Now, if you'd like to share it with some of your racing mates who haven't heard it, we would really appreciate that and I'm also extremely grateful for those of you that have rated and left a review of Rusty's Garage. Thank you. Now if you've somehow slotted straight into part two without selecting gear one or part one, jump back to the library and give it a listen. Part one has some superb moments around his Bathurst win, his retirement news, retirement mark two from full-time driving anyway and what the future holds for this proud family man who made racing his life through pure tenacity and immense commitment. And that is how we begin part two, after he contacted Ryan McLeod in his very early days, offering to do just about anything to learn the ropes. I So I, I was driving Commodore Cup at the time. I think it was probably... Oh, Two or oh three, where God, I, I love these... those things. That was a se- that's a separate story. I yeah, know that was cool, a cool hey? category. Yeah, Great really category. cool category. Yeah. Um, and and I just I was like every yeah you know, I, I couldn't think about anything but motorsport. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and so I just wanted to get involved. Like I just wanted to be involved somehow. And I also thought that if I get involved, I knew I didn't have the backing or the sponsorship behind me to be able to fund my way into supercars. So um, I thought the only, the only way I'm going to be able to do this is to get in front of someone that follows my career and wants to give me a, a shot, you know. And sees your commitment. And, and sees, sees the commitment mm-hmm. and, and, see, and, and can see that I'm not just going to want to roll up and drive the car and go home, you know. I, I genuinely want to be involved and understand it and... and do the hard work and all that stuff. So, yeah, I sent off these emails to every single team in pit lane and uh, and only Ryan McLeod responded. I said in my email, I just said I want to do – I'll do tyre presses, I'll sweep the floor. Uh, I don't care what I do. I just want to be in, in, the, hmm. in the pit. So, yeah, Ryan responded and got me along for uh, – it was Emory Motorsport, Motorsport at the time hmm. and they had – Kristen DeGosson and Daryl Beatty. Well, this is where I'm going with this conversation because he and I, as you know, are, are very good mates and yeah. work, to, work together in a broadcasting yeah. sense. And I'm so glad. He loved, back when he was racing 500cc bikes, yeah. he loved the British Touring Car yeah. Championship and he always wanted to do a bit of bit of touring car racing. So I was always pleased that he went, and so is Lee Diffie, that he went and ticked the Bathurst box. And I think mm. he did the Queensland 500 too, or thereabouts. Um, but, mate, you were working on... Their car, yeah. What, what was that? What I thought was it was like? so cool. Like Did I you? thought, Daryl Beatty, like he's an absolute legend. <laughs> um, you know, he, he, he was a huge, or he still is a huge name. And you know, and I also knew Christian DeGoston from Commodore Cup, Cup days. Yeah. And there are a number number of guys in that team that weekend that oh, Jared McLeod, yeah. um, Ryan McLeod. Uh, you had Mike Emery. Um, uh, Barney, uh, you know, guys that people wouldn't recognise their names um, that I still keep in contact with, with these days. And I remember, you know, doing because <laughs> it was a it was a startup team. Obviously, it was a wild card for Bathurst. So I'm doing tie presses. I've got Ryan McLeod saying, oh, "I want you know 30 psi in the, in this one, 29, 27, 26 in those ones." And so I do them. And Mike Mike Emery would come over and he'd say, "What are those tie presses at?" So oh, blah blah blah. I want them at this, 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 and this. And I go, so I'd redo them. I'd go back to Ryan and say, hey, Mike said to put them at this. And he'd say, what the hell? I told you they need to be at this. Why are you listening to him? And I'm like, man, he's the boss, isn't he? Anyway, so it was it was a shit fight when I, when I was trying to do it and I thought, far out, but I enjoyed it so much. And also, um, so, I, you know, I was sweeping floors and doing the rest of it. And so Robert Smith was was then interested in what I was doing and, you know, could see the commitment and all that sort of stuff and, and so could Ryan and the rest of the guys and, 
Um, and a few years later, little, you know, did I know I was going to be driving their car. Amazing. The, just just come to your first ever drive of a supercar if you can. I, I think, were you and James Small the same day both having a kind of shootout or having a test? Just tell, tell us yeah. about that. And what was your first your first sort of visceral reaction of a supercar? What do you think? Oh, man. I Yeah, it was. It was myself and James Small who became my engineer. Yeah. Um, a Who's few in NASCAR later. doing amazing yeah. things as a crew He's chief now. Hmm. one of the smartest engineers I've, I've ever come across and so practical and the best thing about you know the best engineers are the ones that have done some driving themselves mm-hmm. because when you're relaying information to them they can understand it they can picture it and they can drive it in their heads and understand it to some point like it's like it's like they have actually driven the car so yeah um we we got out there and uh and james had just i think he'd run uh, maybe won the Formula Ford Championship or mm-hmm. runner-up or something. Anyway, I was doing he was doing good things, and uh, and him and I, yeah, it was like a it was a bit bit like a shootout for okay. us, which is crazy because you wouldn't do that that these days because no. mm. someone would end up in the fence. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I remember my first thoughts on the car was holy crap, this thing has got so much power. No. <laughs> I just come out of a Commodore Cup car with. Far out. 4.2 litre V8. What are we talking? What, sort of 300 v- horsepower? Horsepower. VK or VH rather, weren't they? And VC yeah. maybe sort of what chassis? What was yours? Yeah, my, uh, VH. VH. Yeah, yeah. VH. Okay. So um, big step up in power. Double the mass- power basically. Massive yeah. step up. And I thought, and, and then they're telling me the faster you go, the more grip you'll have as well. And I'm like, okay. Really? <laughs> Does that wing do that much? Um, so yeah, just kept building up to it and thinking, man, this thing's just unbelievable. unbelievable. And um Ended up, you know, doing a, a pretty decent job in it. James did it did a great job as well, uh, and yeah. So we came away from that day, and I just thought, what an amazing experience. And you know, when you do, like, I, I've, I've always had like short term plans that have you know been long term plans at some point as well. And to tick that off the list at that point was like. I just drive a supercar. A mm. How cool is that? Like, I've always... Uh, that was my dream, was to drive a supercar. And I just did it. I'm like, tick. Mm. But now I want more. <laughs> <laughs> so then, you know, I didn't want to just drive a supercar. I wanted to become a, a supercar driver. Mm. Um, so then that was the next phase. Can we just... For one quick second. Your dad didn't want you boys, you and Brett, your brother, to be in dirt bikes, which you really wanted to do. So I think he got you a go-kart for Christmas didn't he? And you both kind of had to share it. The family got it for you for Christmas. Is that right? Yeah, no, I, th- I think it was I think it was actually Santa. Santa, was it? Yeah. Okay, okay, yeah. Santa. Oh, sorry, Santa got it for <laughs> um, you. Okay. So I think Dad, Dad must have had a chat to him or something. But okay. um, we, yeah, so Brett and I were mad keen on, we, we rode our bikes everywhere, our, our, just our, our road, you know, cycling bikes and um, BMX bikes. And, and so, you know, we used to throw the bottle in the back, you know, the plastic bottle so it made the noise like a motorbike <laughs> and people used to get the shits with us down the street because it was so loud and it would also burn the tyre off the thing as well. Um, but, uh, yeah, so we were mad keen on motorbikes and Dad hates them, hates them with a passion and now I see why. I'm like, I'm not getting my kids on motorbikes, no mm. way. Um, so, yeah, we, we went, we started going go-karting, what was uh, just higher car? go-karting. Oh, high karting. Okay, yeah, okay. when I was about four years old, um, he got us into it, and he never raced anything himself. He just loved the sport, never had the opportunity to do it himself. So he um, he he thought, you know, I'll start taking my kids to the go-kart track, and then once we loved that, we are hooked on it. We are like, well, oh, now we need our own. Um, so and, and then, but we were, still, we were still after a, a motorbike. But, yeah, so Santa thought, uh, you know, to keep us safe, he'll keep us on, you've got to be on four wheels. And I was always in hospital as well, which is partly the reason why I've got the nickname Lethal. What Um, what injuries? What did you do to yourself? How did you scare your folks? Broken bone, like broken arms, um, broken collarbones, uh, like stitches on the head all the time. And, um, like, you know, just falling off stuff <laughs> just, i don't know <laughs> going just stupid on everything like everything i did i just went stupid on does that make you a nervous parent now that you know what you did yeah so does, does yeah it, big time does it, like, 
why is Riley doing that? Well, that's right. I, 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 I used that. to do that. <laughs> um, so, anyway, we got this go-kart. I remember waking up, looking... It was it was in our room on the floor. Brett and I used to sleep in the same room when we were, like, six years old or something. He's seven years old. And um, we looked down, and there's this shiny little Demon X8. Awesome. Just brand new. And back then, they didn't have side pods and, like, no... Um, NASA panel or anything like yeah, that. Yeah. So real old school, and they had that little foam car, um, you know, airbox on it. Oh wow! Yeah. Um, so it was it was so special though. It was like far out. Like this is that was a dream come true. true. Mm. Um, and then so of course we had to get into racing, and um, I was six years old. Uh, did practice for like a year. We were just practicing out at Queensland uh, Ipswich. Mm-hmm. Um, and got my license. I don't think you could get it till you were seven. So, uh, but I remember for that first year, I couldn't reach the pedals. So we slipped training wheels over the pedals <laughs> so I could reach. No really? joke, no joke. Um, so we had these, yeah, these little like, um, yeah, like training wheels off a off a bike, and um, you and could that reach meant that. that I could, yeah, I could push the pedals. Crazy. So yeah, crazy. It was actually quite um smart of dad to come up with that um so yeah we, we and then it was it was great it was it was good for us to what was special about karting at the start was dad was always away for for um business he was starting you know he, he had his own business and he was starting a new business in brisbane from scratch uh and then so you know we never saw him mm. you know we We'd very rarely see him. But then racing brought us all together as a family uh, with mum. You know, she came to every event and she was, you know, she, she got right behind it as well. She was like chief timekeeper. Awesome. Um, and, uh, and she didn't mind getting her hands dirty either. So we, we'd go away as a family and it was a real bonding sort of event. And, um, you know, but dad was probably thinking that at the time, but it, I was thinking... This is going to be my career. <laughs> Brett would go off and, and kind of, I mean, he still loves his racing and that's awesome that he does it now, but he, you know, would ultimately go a, a business path. You were mm. basically bouncing out of bed in your race suit, yeah. good to go. That was yeah. just your, your whole thing. Did you ever contemplate anything else? Like, you know, maybe I need to be a, a whatever. Was there a, you know? Uh, no. No. I, I I actually don't. I remember telling my grandparents when I was like six, seven years old, they're saying, what are you going to do? Like, what do you want to do when you... And, mm. and this went all the way up till my teenage years. They're like, what do you want to do in your career? Like, what do you want to have for a job? I'd say, I want to be a professional racer. Yeah, but... No, but that's just a hobby. What do you want to do as a real job? I'd say, that's what I want to do. Like I, there was just that nothing was my, else. Mm. That was it. Mm. That was all my head had in it. <laughs> I love it. And um, whereas Brett was more like, yeah, I want to you know start my own business and do this and that. Um, but also he loved motorsport as well. Like he wanted to make a career of it as well. But he was, um, you know, both of us had different levels of commitment. You know, on a Saturday night, he'd still want to go to the party because <laughs> school. You know, he's with his schoolmates. Whereas I'd be quite happy sitting at home and visualising how I was going to go quicker the next day on, at the yeah. track. Um, but it used to piss me off because Brett would still turn up and go well the next day even though he, <laughs> you know, had a couple of beers the night before. But, you know, after a while I think we started realising that, that that commitment is what you needed um, and Brett's been huge, like, instrumental in, in my career as well. Uh where you know we got to a point at the end of Commodore Cup um, when you know, it was pretty obvious that I wanted to make a career of it um, more so than he did. Um, I think we had equal ability, uh, but you know I remember Dad sitting us down and saying, "Hey, we can't be doing this forever." Unfortunately, we were both racing Commodore Cup, having a great time, but you know we could only do that for so long. And back then, you know, it was like. It was a lot of money back then, but now thinking back, it seems like such small money compared mm-hmm. to what we talk about these days. But you know, it was like thirty grand per car to run for That's the year. Lot. That's a lot back then. Back then, back it then. was a lot, mm-hmm. yeah. And um, and to get into like to get my gig with uh, with with Smithy um, in Super Two, it was you know it was 
it was a cheap, <laughs> like it actually really cheap deal of 150 grand. I was like, but that was huge, huge. to us. That's mm. like, oh, like how, how the do hell mm. do we do that? Mm. And then so um, Dad sat Brett and I down and said, look, we can't do it for both of you, mm-hmm. unfortunately. One of you has to make the decision. And, you know, for Brett, like he just said, mate, I, it's Lee. He, he's got to do it. Oh, cool. Yeah, so, hmm. like, he, um, yeah, at, again, like, that was a point where it was, like, that was a huge part of the career as well, like, because if, if he had decided he still wanted to do it and he wasn't going to let me just do it on my own, then, you know, probably wouldn't be here now. Hmm. So, yeah, he's been huge, huge part of it. Your story, right, has um, some poignant moments of, of sacrifice and and relationships and how well you've dealt with both, right, to, to get to where you are. So let's talk about your dad here for a second because he instilled some great things in you boys, so your family, full stop, not just, you, not just your dad. But there were moments where that was tested, mate, where he was, you know, it, um, it affected your relationship for a while there if he wasn't sure if you were fully committed um, how did you get through that? How did you guys bounce through that? And, and what was that like to deal with? Because that's a growth experience for a young man who still has to, I think you're on record as saying this elsewhere, that, that it, it is really important for young racers at some point to step away from the family yeah. shadow and be on their own two feet. Hey? Absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, it was so shortly after that point where we'd made the decision to you know invest in my career, um, I met Alana mm-hmm. and you know, I was... 20 years old I was just about to turn 21 and that's like a critical time in your racing career to to make or break you know whether you're going to do it or whether you're not and um dad didn't like the thought of me having my you know to be focused on something else other than racing um considering the investment so like uh, it was, it was funny at the time. I was like a little kid, like a little, t- like a like a teenager. I had to, you know, I was sneaking out at night to go see her and stuff. I'm like, I'm 20 years old. What am I doing? doing. Hmm. And um, and dad was sort of at a point where he's like, mate, you're not, you're not focused. Hmm. I'm like, well, I actually am. Like you don't realise how much I want this. And I think like a lot of drivers, um. I think my brother was a little bit like this where he felt like he was doing a little bit for dad at one Mm -hmm. point um, because dad loved it so much and, you know, he he got to a point where he he was so invested in it that it would have killed him for one of us not to succeed in motorsport. Mm -hmm. And, um, And so it was everything to dad and everything that he was working for was for that as well. So... I could understand what he was saying, but at the same time, I'm like, well, you know, I can't, you can't help how you feel about mm. someone. Um, and so there came a point where I thought, well, if, you know, I, I can't, this is not going to work on one way or another. Either I've, there was one point where I broke up with Alana because I, I thought, well, maybe, maybe dad's right. Wow. <laughs> and, um, but that didn't last long because I, I just couldn't do it. So, uh, Alana and I made the decision to move. My uh, Brett had already moved to Melbourne for business, and um, and Brett was saying, "Mate, you know, you need to do this on your own." And he said, "Come and move in with me down in Melbourne." Mm. So <laughs> I uh, I told mum and dad, and um, I told them that I was just going down there for a <laughs> holiday, <laughs> for a holiday, <laughs> and never came back. And um, and dad. Dad said, well, if that's what you're doing, then you're going to have to find your own way. Mm. And, um, you know, it was a threat at the time. Um, but I think he needed to realise that I was doing it for myself, mm. not, you know, I was I was doing it because I want to, like, I want to show him how much... It wasn't that I wanted to show him how much mm. I want it. It was that i just love it that much that i'm going to do this do hmm. and um and so i ended up going um going and seeing sean scott in formula ford and saying mate i'll i'll work for you i'll buddy i'll do anything you know like i'll i'll stay late at night to do extra jobs and all the rest of it um just i just need you to give me a cheaper hmm. rate and um and so 
he offered me a drive and said, yep, I'll pay you, buddy, whatever it was. Uh, and so we were living in the city. I, had, I was getting a, tra- a train out to Brayside each day and riding my bike out to um, the, the, uh, the little shed in Industrial Drive and, uh, and working on my car each day. But before that, um, Dad realised that, oh, shit, he is actually for real about this. Like, he's now gone out and chased a drive and... Um, and uh, yeah, so, so sorry. This is the second year of Super Two. So I'd done the first year, mm-hmm. and I met Alana in the first year, and then the second year, we sort of ran out of budget, and that's when I went right. I'm doing it myself, and I went down to Melbourne, found the Formula Ford drive, um, which was pretty cheap, and and Dad then jumped back on board and said, "All right, I can see how much you want this. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sorry, you know," and he. He even apologised to Alana, and which was huge, you know, for him to to do that. He he realised that she's actually a really big support um, rather than a and than a distraction. And um, and then I actually got asked back by Robert Smith yeah. hmm. to do it for free. So that was huge, hmm. you know. So I was doing Formula Ford and Super Two. And, um, you were pretty in, straight with him, weren't you? I've got nothing. I, I, can't, said, bring, I can't bring anything here. Or yeah, whatever, he, he, he said, said I want to go again. I want to run you again. And I said, well, I'm sorry. I just, we've, we don't have budget. Um, you know, and, and... He was good about it, wasn't he? was he? great. Hmm. And obviously, you know, I think he had Paul pushing it in the background and Ryan. And um, so, you know, he obviously, you know, with his Smith Trucks business was doing pretty well. And he loved it so much that he wanted to get me back in the car and yeah so that was that was incredible and again you know without that I would have done my year of Formula Ford and probably ended up you know just being a weekend racer. You've told this to Noons as well flirt night Brisbane yeah 320 I've got a message for 201 which was Alana or something or other yeah, wasn't yeah. It? did she keep that she's yeah. kept that she's kept, that she's kept it <laughs> she's still got it she's still got it I said um so yeah we rolled down to Regatta Hotel uh in Brisbane <laughs> And which was my local, and yeah, there was a thing on a Wednesday night. It was called Flirt Night, and you'd get like you'd have to put a number on yourself um, as you walked in the door, and if you'd spot someone and you wanted to give them a message, you'd say you'd look at their number and you'd be like, oh, yeah, number three three one, um, you know, hi number three three one. I think you're the hottest looking girl. You're the hottest girl in the in the in the pub or whatever. You've got mail. Like, <laughs> And it would come up on the TV screen that number 331 has a message, right? So she, she uh, went and got her message and um, walked over to me and and uh, that was we started a conversation and the rest is history. Amazing, amazing. But, yeah, getting back, sorry, just getting back to the, the thing with Dad because um, that, that's probably left it off on a, on a you know, not the, uh, the most positive note. Um, but he, when I say he jumped back on board, like he was... 100% back in and, and like we, you know, I apologised to him and, and he apologised to me and, you know, we it hurt us because we're, such, we're a close family and that period was like, this, is, this isn't good, you know, mm. we, we're so close and up to this point we've, we've done everything together um, and I think at that point he realised that it was actually the right thing for me to do mm. was for my own good and for um, probably his own good was to was to step away and and break apart and and mend the relationship and and then ride the wave together again. Pretty cool for the Holdsworths to be Bathurst winners. Yeah, hey? yeah, very cool. Can you remember what your brother very said cool. to you, for example? Uh, oh, I I think he was speechless. I, was he? Like he and. So, like, my family's, you know, obviously I call Lana first and then, like, I'll call, you know, the rest of my family straight after. Mm. And um, and Brett's generally the one I speak to first and, you know, he was just over the... Like, I remember, I know, that, that's right, they had a... So Brett's got a place up in Narang and, um, and he had everyone over, like a massive bunch oh, of people, yeah. including <laughs> mum and dad. And he sent me videos straight after of, like, him spraying the champagne down dad's back and like <laughs> just spraying him in the face with it and yeah so awesome. uh, it was like when i saw that i'm like man that you know doesn't just mean everything to me mm. that shows you 
1776.4 kilometers please do not unpack your removal truck your dream of becoming a race driver is still alive you will be asked to sign a long-term deal and immediately return back to victoria read the fine print strap yourself in and get set for one hell of a ride while we're on this flavor of relationships can we bounce through two others if you don't mind in in the paddock gary rogers you brought him up uh, a little earlier you know from that first phone call um you know he tested you yeah would you i mean you drove all the way home to queensland then he <laughs> rang you and said hey when can you start monday or whatever it was and stuff like that you had to come all the way back um even I think that the, the, there was a typo in the contract that you had with him for some. You had a five year yeah, five year yeah, deal. And there's yeah. a typo, wasn't yeah. there? With yeah, and there he, was. stu- he stuck to it, didn't he? <laughs> he did. He did. He's um he's got a few cards up his up his sleeve, old Gary. But yeah, so he was yeah like again, you know, there's just all these people in my career where if it hadn't have been for one person, it wouldn't have then gone to the next phase and mm. then so on and so on. And we all have those stories, but. I feel like it's just if I hadn't had that one person each time, then it'd be a completely different story mm. of my career. And um, and Gary was was a huge huge part of that. And he was really the guy that he was the known as the talent scout. And um, and yeah, so after my uh, I, I did the enduro with him in two thousand five, and then. Um, he they he ended Andy Jones's contract at the end of that year and McConville was was moving on as well to PWR and they'd signed Dean Canto up who I'd been racing with in Super 2 um he won the series with DJR and and then Dean wanted to concentrate on so they 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 put Dean in the car for the last few rounds I think he was there for Gold Coast and a few others and but for the last round at Phillip Island, Dean wanted to concentrate on Super Two and winning the championship. So then they needed someone in the car for the final round, and and so I slotted into there, um, which just came as a massive shock because it was like a week out, and Gary said, "Righto, you're in. I want you to come down to put you in the seat. <laughs> no seat fitting back then. It was just put cushions in." Yeah. Um, and uh, and so I rolled in, and I was still doing Super Two as well. Uh, so I, I raced the the double that weekend, and it was just an incredible experience. And it was like my first taste of of racing a proper, like in a proper team um, in supercars. And all I remembered was these are the cars that are on bloody PlayStation that I'm always <laughs> jumping in. And I remember I was always jumping in the GRM car. You know? <laughs> yeah. I loved the, I loved the colour scheme. And and now I was driving it. I was like, this is just incredible. And it's a proper bull ring too, isn't it, mate? Because they play for keeps those boys when Big you're time. playing. Mm. Big time. Mm. And I think the thing that probably got Gary over the line was um, I think McConville qualified, I don't know, we we were back in the field. The cars weren't great then. Um, I think he might have been twentieth, and I was twenty first. So I was pretty close with him. That's good. Good and <laughs> Yeah, and and then in the race, um, we I broke the stick. The the gear stick snapped, <laughs> and so it had no handle on top. It was just like a little stick thin rod, and those things were hard to shift. Like it was an H pattern gearbox. They clunked into each gear, and I. I didn't have the balls to say, "Hey guys, I'm pulling in." Like, <laughs> it's this is killing my hand. So, so, so this is this is ripping your glove. This is blood coming. Oh, what, man, what, what, like, what are we talking? It, it was so badly bruised and and um, blistered that I could hardly clench my hand after the weekend. Like it was that bad, and uh, and my wrist was sore and like. But Gary, I think, was impressed in my commitment and you know pushing through. And still finishing the race in I don't know where it was, but it was it was reasonable. Um, and then you know, and then he had to. I think that was my rehearsal. That was that was the audition for the the next year. And I obviously passed, but he didn't exactly tell me straight away. <laughs> <laughs> so um, uh, yeah, we we got to the end of the year around Christmas time, and again I was like, okay. That's it. Like it's, that's the end of my career. Awesome. You know, I've, 
okay, I've done a supercar round, but that's not where I want okay. to finish. Mm. Um, and uh, and so Alana and I packed all our gear up in a little budget truck and drove back to Brizzy. And because Gary couldn't give me an answer, and I think. A week after getting back up to Queensland, we went and lived at Alana's dad's place. Um, he Gary rang and he said, "Righto, I need you down here in a week." I said, "What? What? <laughs> what for?" That is so him. He said, "You're starting full time work next week, and you'd be driving car 33." <laughs> and you can imagine, like, I was just like, "What the? Like, I've just moved everything." I said, "I I just got back. What like?" How come you couldn't tell me two weeks ago? Anyway, I didn't say that because I'm like, I was so over the moon. I didn't care if I had to bloody drive around the world to get there. Um, so I said, can you can you please, I, you know, I thanked him and all the rest of it, but I said, can you just please send me a contract? Because all I'm hearing in the media is that Jason Bargwana's got this drive and that this person's got it. And, and he goes, well, don't believe all that bullshit, you know, you know, the way he talks. Mm-hmm. He said... You know, I'm telling you right now, you got the drive. Um, come down here, we'll sign a contract. So I flew down and Gary put his contract in front of me and I said, do you mind if I just... Um, it was a five-year contract. And I said, do you mind if I just give Ryan McLeod a call? And he said... Uh, I said, do you mind if I send it off to Ryan? And he said, no, nah, you either do it now or we don't do it. And... <laughs> Oh, far out. All right, can you at least let me call him before I sign? So I called Ryan. He said, mate, you need to buddy send it off to me. I need to have a look at it and blah, blah, blah. And I said, mate, I'm, I can't. Like, mm. I've got to sign now. And he goes, oh, sh- righto. Well, make sure you got this in it and that in it. So he added a couple of little things and Gary said, righto, and, um, and signed. And uh, But before, before I moved down, he sent me a just a... A, uh, it's a fax, wasn't it? Yeah, it was yeah. like an MOU, mm. and um, and it was ri- handwritten. <laughs> I couldn't read it. Right, it was that badly. Uh, his handwriting is is unbelievable. He's like a doctor with his handwriting, and um, I think I made sense of it. It said something about that I was going to be driving, and that was good enough for me. So anyway, that was when we headed back down and um and or he- yeah, flew off down there and signed the real contract, and then. Packed the truck again and headed back down. Amazing. It had, I think, uh, five years, but but uh, ended twenty eleven or something rather. You you did have a bit yeah. of a bit of a um, a bit of a dispute over, over that, that one. Yeah. 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 So when I was at GRM, uh, I had a a couple of teams show a bit of interest, and um, you know there was one of them was HRT and the other was FPR, and. At the time, like man, that's that's cool. Like these these are the biggest teams in the comp. Um, but also, you know, I was c- fully committed to Gary, and we were doing good things. You know, we were we were getting good results and sort of building on something. And um, but the, uh, so I was telling these other teams, hey, I'm yeah, I've got a contract till 2011, the end of 2011. 2011 rolls around, and I say, oh, Gary, just. I just want to know. I just want to let you know, nice and early, that um, this uh, this will be my last year. I'll I'll move on after this year. And he says, "No, you won't." <laughs> <laughs> he said, "You got a six year contract." I said, "No, I don't. It's five. And he said, "No, nah, have a look in there. It says." Um, he said, "It's I forget what the it was some some there was just a mistake in the dates they'd put in there and it." worked out to be that it was six years but everything in the contract suggested five years you know the 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 payment structure and everything and um and i said no 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 no." anyway we had this dispute and i said well you know that this is wrong gary um so if we're going to do this i want a couple of things on my terms so i said i want richard holway and uh I forget what else is like, and I want a new chassis, or there was something else. Mm. Gun engineer at HRT at the time, or whatever. And, yeah, and, yeah. Mm, mm, and mm. we got Richard Holway. So mm. I was like, well, this has worked out all right. Mm. So I stayed on for um, 
So that was that was. So we were having this conversation at the end of 2010. Ten. Hmm. And so he got Richard Holway for 11, and I was there for 12 as well. So I had hmm. Richard Holway for two years, and just really enjoyed it. Like uh, Richard was awesome. Um, had a great time, uh, and then yeah, it came to a point where I was like, well, you know, if you if you're not moving forward, um, and there's not huge plans ahead for the team then you sort of start a you've you've got to start to look elsewhere so yeah i looked um looked to see where i could go next let's bounce through a couple of things here because you've been very good with your time and i'm conscious of that mate firstly the deal fans have been asking about uh, the deal that got away was did hrt get closer than we realized or was was there one that you sort of think oh gee you know it would have been nice to have gone and driven for them uh well there was a point probably midway through my GRM contract where HRT did approach, mm-hmm. um, but, you know, being a, a man of my word, I said, I'm in a contract, um, I can't do anything until the end of it unless you guys want to ne- try and negotiate something. You know, I wasn't going to leave by upsetting Gary and, you know, doing That's anything. That's not your nature. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I said, if you want to do something, then you're going to have to sort it with Gary, come to a, an agreement or something. But otherwise, I'm in a contract and, and I'm seeing it out. And um, and similar happened with FPR. when uh, So that when I was talking to Gary about finishing up with him, I was going to go into FPR and take Stephen Richard's spot. Um, so, yeah, well, you know, as as far as that went, it was, um, you know, it wasn't any point, it wasn't to the point of having a contract in front of me, but... It was certainly to the point where we were, you know, talking about that that's the direction Hmm. um, FPR wanted to go and HRT wanted to go. Um, But, yeah, just uh, the timing wasn't right. What's the greatest lesson Gary Rogers taught you, do you reckon, for your racing career in that period that you were with him? What's the... Um, I think being honest and upfront and just no bullshit with any other team owner after that was mm-hmm. like he set the standard now and and the way that I talked to him was the way then that I'd talk to every team owner just being completely upfront he never wanted you to bullshit him mm-hmm. because he he saw through bullshit like mm-hmm. you know straight away yeah. um so you know if you'd beat around the bush with him he'd say come on get to the what do you want do you want this do you want like what do you want just tell me and so you just get straight to the point with him and, and it was either a yes or a no. no. Mm. And if you could justify why you wanted something, you know, whether it was, hey, I think I deserve a bit more money next year, well, he'd say, well, why? Mm. What, are you, what are you doing extra now? And I'd say, you know, this is why. Like, you'd put your case towards him. And um, so, yeah, you sort of, you know, from, from that point onwards, it was always the way that I approached every other team was if I want more money, that has to be justified or if I want this or that with, you know, engineers or, um, you know, equipment or whatever, I'd, I'd put forward a business case and, um, and, and to justify why and why I think that'll help for the team mm. as well as myself. Are things okay with you and Charlie Schwerkolt now? Because that's exactly what I think you did when you were there with him. You, you, wanted to buy into the dream to help build it to to see success with it and it, and it wasn't forthcoming so that that friendship was tested mate with the benefit of time is it is it better now is yeah okay? it was definitely tested like I had a great relationship with Charlie um, you know we were we became pretty close and you know friends and um, our families were close and and then it got to a point where you know we were building something and it was you know, 16 was the starter year for Team 18 standalone as a team to break off as a one-car team, and um, and I thought, you know, that it was a it was not too bad for a building year. We we had triple eight older triple eight gear. Um, we realised that we're a bit behind the eight ball with that stuff. But then, so the following year, we decided that hey, let's let's see if we can do go our own direction, and um, and so 17 was actually a a really positive year like we we made some great gains with the car for most of the year I was sort of you know running in the top half of the year and for a one car team that wasn't too bad um you know wanted more Charlie wanted more and so 
I was trying to get him to do two cars for the following year. Um, you know, always chasing the greatest engineer out there, and you know, there's there's a lot of good engineers in the sport, but there's there's some very very good ones, like mm. some great ones in the sport, and and there's but there's not that many great ones. Um, and uh, and so I was trying to chase one of those great ones, and it just we couldn't get we couldn't find one we couldn't get them on board and um and the following year um we went to the so 2018 went to the 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 new chassis um or the sorry the new body shell which was the v uh oh what z no what was that thing (laughs) (laughs) what was it the new body shell please please press on zb i think zb and um (laughs) And as soon as we rolled out, like we rolled out of out of Newcastle, and you know we were top four, and top ten in qualifying both days, shootouts and everything. So we're thinking, hey, you know, we're, we've got a bit of speed here. We'll build on that again next year. And we rolled out at the first test day of 2018, and I just said, what is going on here? Like this is not this is not the car mm. anywhere near what I had last year. Like this thing is so far away and um and we didn't understand why but yeah we did everything trying to fix it and tune it up and just really got nowhere all year and it was painful like we had we had um reliability problems we had you know a software program uh that was suggesting things that was not working on the car um and towards the end of the year Matt Brabham was signed up to do the Enduros and we went for a test day and we thought, right, we got one more test day to get things right. You know, let's, let's really, we've got to have a, a big list of, of, of options for this test. And, uh, and unfortunately, early in the day, Matt um, had an off and it ended our day pretty early, like 10 o'clock in the morning. We couldn't get our day back through supercars. So, again, next round was brutal for us. And then we'd signed Jason Bright then for Enduros and um, uh, to replace Matty. And this was the best thing that happened to me because everyone knew what Jason could do. And when he jumped in it, he said, wow, you've been driving this? <laughs> and, uh, and so that was the point where he went to Charlie and said, this is not right, like, what's been going on because there, there came a point when you know when you when you're complaining about the same things over and over people get over it you know they don't want to hear it anymore and I guess that was the point where Charlie and I both thought well this isn't going good you know I didn't like the car I was starting to become very negative about it probably halfway through the year and and you know I'm pretty optimistic I think you know I keep a pretty positive out- attitude um, and uh, but but there was nothing positive about it at all. It was like a really bad year, and Charlie and I had a bit of a fallout because I was telling him that you know the car's terrible, um, and that we need to you know get an engineer in to tune this thing up and get it into the window where it needs to be. Jason came along for enduros, and we went to Sandown first, and. He hated it, hated it, and couldn't drive it. And um, I think we ended up, Jace uh, ended up in the sand trap at the end of Dandy Road whilst, you know, running down the back um, back of the pack. And, um, and I just bailed. Like, I don't usually just walk out, but I walked out. And, uh, and then we came back for Bathurst and, again, just terrible. And then we had Gold Coast. And Jace was talking to Phil Keat, actually, like, and, and trying to get some advice on what to do. And Phil, to his credit, gave us a bit of a window for the car. And we rolled out and we, we convinced the engineers to Go do what path. we wanted, hmm. which took some, some uh, convincing. Um, and we rolled out at, at Gold Coast and we had a quick car. And then from that point on, it was all too late. Um, we, you know, finished up sixth or something at Gold Coast, whereas the rest of the year I was running like in the twenties. Um, and then 
to finish off the year at Newcastle. Had top tens in in shootouts and um, top tens in the races, and uh, you know, I think it was top fives actually. And then, um, but it was all just the the relationship had mm. gone. And um, but that last round at Newcastle that year in 2018, I thought that was my last race. Wow. So I was nearly ready to go down and say, you know, see you later. Thanks to everyone. I'm I'm gone. Mm. Um, but it took some, you know, it was a pretty hard pill to swallow because at the end of the year, I'm like, well, it's not me, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like give me the car and I'll do it. I'll do the job. Um, so I was on the phone to Tickford and um, that was the next part of the journey. Mega. Quickly here, because I think we're going to get probably wound up at, uh, at some point. Um, firstly, uh, we're on the eve of Pukekohe this weekend. I've got very fond memories of you at, at Oran Park and so on. Um, are we going to miss this place like we miss Oran Park perhaps? 100%. Oh, so it's, it's really sad because we see all these great old like historic racetracks that have so much character mm. and then no one's going to ever build anything like them again, you know, mm. that that's... You can't build dangerous anymore and you can't build, um, you know, undulate, like really undulating tracks with no runoff and, um, you know, great spectator areas. I'm sure we can still do that. But um, those tracks, like Oran Park, I see it very similar to Pukekohe, you know, it had so much character. The way that they used to sit up on the hill at Oran Park, you can do that here at Pukekohe, you know, it's the one corner I think about. When I think about the crowd at Pookie, I think about looking up, coming through the final corner and looking up, you know, on an outlap or whatever and just seeing a sea of people. people. Mm. I just think this is, like, that's mm. what it's all about. Mm. And, um, and we all love the track because it's bumpy, it's fast, it's dangerous, it's the history, you know. And, and so to lose that one, it's another one of the great circuits gone. Absolutely. Are you going to treat yourself to a little resto project in in post full time life? Is there a car or something you might like to restore? Maybe you've got something in the garage already. I don't. I don't actually. <laughs> I've never. I've never had a project yeah. uh, like a project car. But my dream car, uh, and this goes back from when I was a kid, was a, a VK Brock Commodore. Oh, yeah. Even though I drive for Ford. Yeah. Like a, you know, I'm loyal to the to the brand Ford. Well, you know, and and but my dad was a Holden man, mm-hmm. and um, and I just remember Brocky driving this VK, the the we can't say the brand that was on the yeah, car, the Dayglow colours though, yeah, the, the, the Dayglow, yeah. and <laughs> and and that was like that was then just my dream car. car. It was like that mm. VK, like so that so I got a VK for my first car. And um and I put I put the Brock kit on it and everything and <laughs> it was a, a five liter Calais yeah. and um you had to yeah, sell so it to, to fund part of your racing I, I think didn't you I, yeah. I actually sold it for four grand and it cost me four grand to go and sign up for chance of a lifetime <laughs> which wasn't a chance of a lifetime no it certainly wasn't a chance of a lifetime it was. Uh, it was a pretty expensive little couple oh. of laps, to be honest. Oh well, we hope you get uh, you get that little dream car in the the garage at some stage. What would the Lee Holdsworth of today tell a young aspiring racer like Dick Johnson did for you when he came to your dad's office that day when you were younger and talked to you about which direction your your career should go? What would you say? Uh, I don't think much has changed in the way that. You know, there's plenty of kids out there with money that can find their way in somehow. But anyone that wants to make a proper career of it and and actually have some longevity in the sport is, uh, you know, don't don't rely on talent alone. It's it's one part of it. It's one part of the package. But the package is is everything. And if you don't have it these days, you're not gonna get the right opportunities you're not going to last long in the sport you'll get spat out pretty quickly so i'd say you know um be true to yourself always never forget where you came from um and and look for opportunities everywhere you go like don't ever think that everything you do in life is not another opportunity you meet every person you meet 
might be another chance at picking up another sponsor or you know i've still got i've got a one little story mm, go um a guy called tony roberts he's now with banlaw uh the company called banlaw he was working for fox at the time uh when i was at grm and he came up sorry where was i fox that would have been after GRM, because that was Belvoline. Um, anyway, he came over and he took a couple of kids over, some friends, and he said, oh, this is Lee, you know, can you just say good day and whatever. And so I took these kids for a bit of a tour of the car and signed autographs and um, had some photos with them. And when everything went down at the start, at the end of 2020, he was one of the first people to call me and say, hey, we want to back you. I always remember what you did for for me back in Fantastic. bloody whenever it was. Um, so you, it's just every little moment is like another opportunity to get a supporter that can help you along the way. Um, but you have to show full commitment. So although, you know, it, it's, um, it's brutal if you sacrifice your whole career um, to motorsport and it doesn't work out, which happens for a lot of people, um, I guess you can leave knowing that you've put everything into it, but um, if you don't put everything into it, you, you're not gonna you're not gonna go the whole way. So you got to fully commit, fully commit, and show everyone how much commitment you've got. You have done that since day one. Congratulations! It's been awesome to Thanks, relive, relive a bit of this with you. I know you have in the in the back of your mind aspirations to maybe in this post full time life go and do a, a spa or a Nurburgring or even a Le Mans. I really hope you go and tick that box. I reckon that'd be cool. I know you've got um, more Bathursts in you. Go and en- go and enjoy that. Go and enjoy these final few rounds. And mate, you know, away from the racetrack. Congratulations on what you've achieved as as a dad, as a human being, and, and just that sacrifice that you spoke about. I know this was never an easy journey for you, but you made a full-time career out of it, mate, and I'm so pleased you're doing it on your terms now and you've got something for the next yeah, chapter. Cheers, Rusty. Congratulations. Appreciate it, mate. Awesome, you're mate. a legend. Awesome. Cheers. Rusty's Garage is written and presented by me, Greg Rust. Series editor and producer is Ed Gooden. Audio production by Link Kelly. If you've got a guest suggestion, get in touch with me via social media. The Garage. It's where a journey begins with a tank full of passion-fueled stories. Stories.